All right, people, we're wrapping up January. It's our end of the year top 10 list selection. We already did our top 10 worst of the year. Some lists that were gaining a lot of traction on YouTube. And I wonder why, just given the year that 2021 was. But given that 2021 was also an incredible year. For your favorite medium, Chris, the TV nerd, needless to say, we're on the top 10 best TV shows of 2021. You excited? Yeah, I just want to say this list wasn't easy for me to make. Apparently, I watched 27 shows across 28 seasons because Cobra Kai gave us two seasons in one year. So there was a lot to consider yep. here. A lot went into this list, guys, and I'm really excited for this morning's show. Absolutely. All of that and more. Stay tuned. Chris, you know, these top 10 lists, specifically this video, always brings me back and reminds me to that height that we were doing in, like, the summer of 2020, and you were being like, yeah, there's really no movie to watch, because there wasn't, because it was 2020, and then you were like, yeah, it was a great, it's, a, it's been a great year for TV, and then, uh, what's it called, and, and then I started reading off some of the shows that we had watched, and then you were like, oh, maybe it isn't such a great year for TV, <laughs> and that just always brings a chuckle to my face, but the reason why I have to bring that up is because we are officially at a point, and I've been begrudging to admit it, because obviously I'm the movie nerd, so naturally I'm always going to root for the big screen experience experience but it's official tv has surpassed movies like it's just it's so much more interesting the stories that they're telling it's so like, like it's just so much more engaging i get such a thrill such a rush of especially since streaming has kind of brought back that week to week feeling overall that we used to get from tv all the time before netflix came and wrecked that model for a little bit it's kind of interesting because i feel like netflix has almost kind of shot themselves in the foot with that model now where we get things like arcane where if anything the only reason i feel like why people talked about arcane was because they split it up across like three different weeks with their acts you know and but ozone came i feel like ozark came and went i don't know who's talking about it but meanwhile those shows that came week True. to week and were dropping it like disney plus took that model and ran with it and now it feels like every other streaming service is doing that so i don't know what's your take on that before we get into these lists no it's crazy to think that we lost the week to week for a little while because now it feels like we're so so much so back in like the era that you and i both grew up in like waiting week to week to see your favorite shows you know it, yeah. it is it is weird to see how like even though streaming, I, I believe, isn't a trend that's just going to be here today, gone tomorrow, it is weird to now be be able to be so far in the streaming era that we can notice like trends coming and going. You know, like who would have thought that would have happened? But as far as like my overall take, I think what always made this show really cool was like I went to film school being a guy who wanted to restart in the creative arts, like on the television side of things. You went to film school coming from, you know, the more cinema, like sitting in a theater for two hours, getting like an immersive experience that way. Whereas mine came on the small screen. I always enjoyed the way we brought both of those mediums that are so close together, but also different at the same time to this conversation that we have here on Talking TV. So it's like, it's strange to see that like they both can can't be in tandem thriving at the same time because I think that'd be awesome for both you and I, but at least we have one that's good because let's be honest there's been a lot of bad in these past few years. 
Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> you know? And I've been and I've been begrudging to admit it, especially given that like movies were already sucking before the pandemic and then the pandemic just made it so much worse. But yeah, I, I I'll still always remember because for me T V for the longest time was just watching kitty cartoons on you know, on Saturday Friday night, Saturday mornings with my brothers. You know, again the the late two thousands block on Cartoon Network, you know, Clone Wars, Ben Ten, all those. That was T V for me for the longest time and because I, I, like that that's why I didn't like watch T V. And then around high school that's when I discovered the greatness that was HBO because that's when Game of Thrones, you know, those early couple seasons were on. And that's when I really started to get into it and started to really, like, actually understand, oh, okay, this is what TV can be. This is what, like, it's actually capable of on a cinematic stage. And now, with the combination of streaming and all these different auteurs that have gone to TV over the last couple of years, it's officially become the place for, like, actually, like, cinematic stories, which is kind of crazy because, again, it's to the detriment of, like, every single film bro or film director that it's like, you gotta see these movies in the theaters. You gotta see these movies in the theaters. And, yeah, that, that this is kind of... I find it ironic that I have the poster of The Godfather, the greatest movie of all time that's turning 50 this year behind <laughs> me, and we're getting a TV show this year called The Offer, which is which is based on the making of The Godfather, which is famously one of the most troubled productions in Hollywood history. I feel like that like is the perfect tie-up to my point that TV has officially surpassed media in terms of storytelling because five or six years ago, we would have gotten that as a movie, not a TV show. That's true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's crazy. You know what I think it is? I think it's that these streaming services did such a good job of offering the world to these tour directors and these creators who kind of had to deal with the studio system and were at first hesitant of probably going over to streaming. I'm just speculating here, but they were probably hesitant at first to go work with the likes of a Netflix or maybe like Amazon being another one of those early competitors into the streaming wars. I mean, we've had Prime Video now for at least six years and so with originals, I mean. And so they did such a good job of like, I think, giving creative control back in a way that was both beneficial to them as a company and to the creator feeling fulfilled because as much as people love to talk and say, oh yeah, people get into Hollywood for the money. I mean, a lot of people try to make it and never do. It's because we are passionate at the end of this day. There's a reason why we watched, you know, I watched the most amount of TV in the year that I ever have in my most busiest year of life, 27 seasons, uh, 27 shows, 28 seasons. You know, it's because we love it. So it's it's not just for the money. It's not just to secure the bag, as the kids are now calling it online. It's it's because we are passionate about it, and and I can assume it becomes very disheartening when you're like a top tier creator, and you come in with this amazing script, but then the studio's like, okay, yeah, but there's no joke at minute thirty four, and we didn't introduce all the ninety other Batmans, so you're gonna have to rewrite this thing. And it's like, I just want to tell a good story. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like streaming. I feel like has given these creators an outlet to do that. So I think that's about another that, reason why we see this about, we see this renaissance that you speak of. And what's interesting about that too is I'm pretty sure you might have me beat as far as amount of TV shows. Like I, I watch, you know, you know me. I literally do nothing but watch stuff. So because I have no life, but, <laughs> <laughs> but outside I, of this I, podcast, hey, look, we but appreciate. I it, think man. you may have. I think you may have me beat though this year as far as that goes. I'm looking at all these shows that I have outside of my top ten and outside of my honorable mentions, and like outside of like a few, there really aren't that many. Because this was also famously the other thing that we have to talk about with TV this year. This is also famously the year that we got the MCU now infecting our TV sphere. In addition to our movies, we dealt with it for te- for a, yes. for eleven years on the big screen, and now we have it on the small screen. And we got like five Disney Plus shows that were all like five of like the most talked about shows when they were on. I feel well, like speaking of, of the Godfather, few. right? Just when I thought right? I was out, 
they pull you back in. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's crazy about that too? That quote is like one of the most quoted phrases from The Godfather, yeah. and that's not from any of the quote unquote good ones. That's a quote from Three, Three, the most maligned Godfather movie, and that quote is the oh, one that's yeah. quoted that over and over and over. Of course, it's Pacino. Of course, mm-hmm. it's Pacino. Just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. <laughs> and that's the one that Silvio does all the time from the from the Sopranos. It's fucking hilarious, and like everybody like hates three. And I'm like, nah, maybe you don't hate it as much as you do. But uh, good, t- tune in. To, put it this way: tune in later for the channel for like any potential further Godfather talks. But it is mm-hmm, the greatest mm-hmm. movie of all time. But Chris, you ready to get into these lists? I am, I am. But before we do that, we would, of course, as normally, love to ask you guys, if you enjoy being a part of this community, community, and it seems you do because we're already growing in subscribers just this past week alone, let's Hell keep yeah. that train rolling. Hit the subscribe button, guys. Give this video a like. Turn that bell on so you get notified every time we talk about an obscure TV show that the big mainstream paid-off film critics are too afraid to talk about. That's about it. Let's get into this, Dom. How do you want to start this off, man? I know last time I did the segue, so I threw it on you. So if you don't want to go first, I can go first this time. It's totally up to you. you I I would say let's trade it off. Look, you're the the TV nerd. This is your bag. You started off. What's your number 10? All right. So controversial, I believe it will be. And... um, What's that saying? Ad propos to like my normal stance here on the podcast. Quid pro quo? I don't really know. There's there's too many different Latin phrases for me to remember. All I know is that as I was making my list, sifting through TV shows, watching some shows get bumped, sadly for others, very sadly, we'll get, we'll save those for honorable mentions, I had to go with Hawkeye at number 10. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. I know. I know. And you guys are probably like, damn. Chris I don't even with think the this MCU. made honorable mentions for me. Really? Okay. So yeah. here's the reason why. For me, I think this show was always destined to fail i love a good underdog story right i'm currently watching the nfl playoffs and i'm like i want the teams to win because i like the stars on the big teams but like i kind of find myself inside if i really ask myself who i want to win it seems to be the underdogs and i think hawkeye is exactly that but also it was the perfect amount of blockbuster cheese corny filmmaking that i wanted it was the perfect amount of christmas season i think that when they dropped this it was the right timing i think like because the conversation wasn't so grandiose around it, it also made me realize, yeah, you used to read Marvel too, you know? It's just that there wasn't everyone and their mother poking at this thing, dissecting it, ripping it to shreds, trying to find every little freeze frame Easter egg moment. You could just enjoy this one. And it kind of made me realize, like, I can enjoy the MCU. I just, it's hard being a part of this generation, this world we live in, to enjoy it sometimes. On top of Jeremy Renner just being so spectacular, and I love the introduction of all the new characters. I love that we got to sort of see the world ex- expand on like the small screen. I love the whole like Marvel Netflix verse seeping in. And to be honest with you, like this 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 was a charming little show. So I know there there will be shows in my honorable mention that you guys are going to be like, what? How did this beat that? And I understand some of those shows. The filmmaking is better. Yes, I know, but I thought this was fun. And this is my list. It's 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 not the perfect list. It's my list. So yeah, Hawkeye's number ten. What about you, Dom? All right. So my number ten again. Don't hate me for having too popular, too many popularist shows because again, I I do like to think that my list is pretty is pretty popularist. But I've got a few underdogs that I snuck in there. But my number ten is Invincible, and I like to. It, it's kind of interesting. I, I can't really call this one the little show that could because it's because it's on Amazon, even though it is animated. And Amazon they only put out like really three shows a year that people will actually watch, but then they end up turning out to be like the most watched things in the moment. And this one, the reason why this ended up making the list amongst a lot of other choices 
chances that I could have had. Because trust me, I was very, very close to potentially switching this out for Cobra Kai. Which is that the show kind of snuck up on me and pulled a trick on me. Which is that I saw it was an animated superhero show. And I'm like, okay, cool. This is like a little bit of like a coming of age story. And I watched the first three episodes. And I'm like, this is cute. I don't necessarily know if these need to be like 40 minutes to an hour long. I feel like they could get away with half an hour long. And then they started changing up the length of each episode as they went on. And then as each episode kept going on, it started sucking me in more and more and more as the stakes got... It, it, it did what, like, no other superhero property does now, which is that it actually, like, increased the stakes with each passing episode. And the fact that they pulled off that kind of a story, that kind of, like, an intense, pressurized, like, superhero coming-of-age story, like, the midpoint of this season is literally, like, all of these young heroes getting the shit kicked out of them in, like, a really, really bloody fashion. And it actually was, like, really impactful. And it really hit me. And I'm like, okay. And then with the way that it ended... Obviously, with the, with the infamous memed twist of the Think Mark Think moment, you know, it actually kind of struck me as far as I'm like, oh, okay, so this is what this is what superheroes can be, you know, because again, we always get those one-offs that actually show us, I'm like, okay, this is what superhero storytelling really is, you know, Watchmen in 2019, The Boys, seasons one and two, The Suicide Squad earlier this year, which you guys may or may not see in, you know, some best of the year movie lists that we have coming out next week. But this is honestly one of them that I can safely say has earned, it. it's one of the few superhero properties that actually earned its spot. It was vicious, it was bloody, it was violent, it actually had some interesting it had a every character was interesting though it had some really twisted and interesting moments and it was ultimately able to actually create its own interesting comic mythos that even though it was based on robert kirkman's source material still felt fresh and new enough and independent of outside of marvel and dc for it to be really interesting so that's my number 10 invincible Okay. Wow. I had to take that one in for a second. That was really yeah, good points I, raised. I, I almost feel like you raised points good enough to make this thing a little higher on the list. So I'm, I'm curious to see Oof. where you go. All right. Well, I mean, what's your number nine? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of things I wish I could have made uh, some arguments to raise a little higher on the list. This was one of those shows that I referenced at the beginning that as I was fleshing this list out, it just kind of kept falling. Although I knew this show would always have a spot on this list because I think with the first season, a debut season... There's always room to grow, so if it can capture you and encapsulate me the way that this show did, then it's always off to a good track. And of course, being on Apple TV Plus helps a lot. Guys, I'm talking hey about yo. physical. Let's go. This show's really cool. This show is what I think we are missing. We are missing from the TV sphere. Even if we are in this golden age, it has that classic sort of, not our tour style, but that classic sort of style of quicker half hour ish storytelling episodes it's it, it's not quite a comedy it's not quite a drama but it's 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 also a little bit of both of those it has some action but it, it's just like one of those cool quirky little stories that i feel like we used to see in like the early 2000s that i don't know what happened to them i think network tv started to get scared of streaming and so it was try to find the next big sitcom try, try to find the next big bang theory to, to bring down this netflix beast and this type of tv kind of got lost in the way I feel like it, it was refreshing for that reason. And also it was a really cool sort of time era to explore. I know everyone's doing this like sort of like retro throwback thing now, right? We see a lot in the 80s. Everything's all neon-y and pink if it's anything sci-fi. This was like a different side of the past that we got to explore. Kind of like a low-key beachside area of, I believe it was what, San Diego? And uh, <laughs> Yeah, San Diego, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and it's like it it, it it expertly managed the politics of the time. It, it, it also kind of like didn't take itself too seriously, even in the moments it was intense. It was just really fun. Rose Byron, it was absolutely awesome. And to be honest with you, I know everyone made a big deal out of her. I'm not going to lie. I hadn't really heard of her until this. So this was like, what was she in prior to this that I would have known her from? Unfortunately, the X-Men prequels. 
Right, and exactly why I didn't know her. And so I, I, from my first exposure to her, I think she's great. I think she can carry a show. The show's not perfect. I think the back half of the season did start to meander a little bit. I think Apple ordered 10 episodes. It seemed like they only had like seven or eight. But that's okay, because it, even its slowest moments were a lot of fun. Looking at you, morning show, where they weren't. Yeah. And, and what I will say is, Dom, I know you probably don't watch much commercial television, right? I don't. I don't. So I, I've been strictly anti-commercial for a long time now. And I love that. So am I. I only really watch it during football. Even Apple's, they have this commercial right now. You got to go look it up. It's John Hamm. And he's like calling Tom Hanks, like saying, Tom, I'm watching Apple TV Plus. I saw you have another another movie, not just Finch. Okay. Yeah, Tom Hanks got a lot of Apple movies. And uh, he's like, he's like, I would love to get in there. And he's like calling Mahershal Ali. And he's like, there's two of you in one show. He's like, you couldn't have cast me. He's like, I'm happy for you, man. But like, I would love to get in there. And it's like, he's like trying to get on Apple. Like everyone's on Apple TV plus is what he's saying. He's trying to get on. But even that commercial is like shot so well, where I think it just speaks to the streaming service where there's like these amazing crane shots and the panning is so, and there's a level of quality on Apple TV plus that I think you guys are going to see more than just one Apple TV plus show on my list. It's th- they they span all different genres. They're phenomenal, and that's why I, this shows this shows here even with the problems in season one because it's in good hands, man. We don't have to worry about it getting canceled. We know this show's going to be given the legs and room to grow. And god damn it, do I love these characters, and I can't wait to see them grow. So I don't know if you are factoring the strength of the service, the streaming service of these shows into your list, but like oh, ever 100%. since I got because ever since I got burned by Glow, I feel like I have to. So yeah, number nine, Dude. physical. Dude, stop ripping my points out of my brain. This is getting annoying (laughs) because my number nine is also physical. You literally just took everything that I was going to say. Yeah, I mean, for more reasons than one that you just said. Yeah, this filled the hole that Netflix ultimately left in our hearts when they ripped Glow away from us. This show is just impeccable. Again, like five, six years ago, I don't even know if they would have had the balls that I'm going to say to actually make this into a movie because this movie, I mean, dare I say it, this show is just, it's so visceral, it's so raw, it's so of its own like nature. I just, I love the, creative force that goes behind it roseburn the the thing that i'll kind of add to pretty much everything that you said about this show besides the fact that apple tv really came to play this year after that if anything that's i feel like that's almost what made the second season of the morning show so disappointing was the fact that all their other shows were so good and then the morning show season two sucked so so hard this show is just so of its own nature and just has such an uncaring, unforgiving nature about its audience and about who's watching it and whether they want people to like its characters because it, because if anything, like kind of that, like no, not giving any fucks nature is kind of what made some of the best shows ever before. You know, some of the best shows ever. You know, Vince Gilligan, David Chase have always talked about the fact that they were all there was always like that interesting antithesis that they had with the audience, and that's kind of what made the quality of their show so good. And I honestly think that this show is one of them that could actually follow it up. Rose Byrne is an absolute force to be reckoned with, and I'd also make an argument to say arguably uh, of all the debut shows I don't necessarily know if it's the best debut show of the year but it might be the best debut pilot of the year Craig Gillespie shoots the hell out of it again I, it just showed to me I, I believe it was the first real de- demonstration because For All Mankind was a second season right but this was the first real demonstration for me after the year of the pandemic that showed wow okay the Apple has really really got legs <laughs> and I absolutely love this show 110% um, and yeah I'm really mad because you pretty much took away everything that you pretty much said everything <laughs> I'm that I was sorry say. dude physical. my bad <laughs> physical it's awesome it's oh, awesome my man. number nine yeah, dude, I, I that that was a great point. It definitely might be the best pilot of the year. I hadn't even like yeah. thought about that, but so that it, I was instantly hooked, instantly hooked. Yeah, and yeah, 
for sure. All also, right, well, great debut performances as well. Besides Roseburg, like Lou Taylor Pucci as the dumb surfer boyfriend, Rory Scandal as the as the shitbird husband, uh, Jeffrey Aren, who's one of it's all these again, it's all these character actors you've seen a million and a half things, but you'll never know their names. They pop in and they all give incredible performance. I particularly loved the actress who played um her her you know her her housewife friend who like kind of like gained more of her own confidence throughout the show. Just all these different little subplots that they all just managed to make work. Like they had such a, like a strong grasp of their characters. It was amazing. I loved it. Yep, couldn't agree more. Speaking of a strong grasp of their characters, this show recovered, I think, from a very rocky second season to give us two amazing seasons in one year. But I'm just going to say that season four of Cobra Kai is the one that's going to make this list. Season three would have if we hadn't gotten two seasons of a show in right. one year. Let but we also again. know that season three was really the setup for season four. And also because they already right. had season three shot and ready to go by the time that YouTube Premium canceled them and then Netflix bought them. Right. But let me just say it again in case you guys missed that. We got two seasons of <laughs> a single show in one year. That is insane. That is the Cobra Kai way. They struck first, they struck hard, and they showed no mercy. They dropped so much goddamn content on us. It was unreal. Like I have to just like as a fan of the medium knowing how much it takes to put into this. Like I get it. The 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 the, the third season was already shot, but the speed, the quickness of which they finished that fourth season while still having it be such a high You could almost quality. say it's a speed of an eagle, would you say? Yes, I think it's it. Yes, I think you could say. And and by the way, Eagle Fang, so stupid. I love incredible. it. This show, incredible. How dare you, sir? That is incredible. <laughs> this show could have turned into something bad. It, it, it clearly came out of the gate strong, garnered a huge internet f- following. It was an in- internet phenomenon, honestly. And it could have easily crashed and burned. But I think we're soaring higher than ever. I, I don't know what I can say that I already haven't said about this show, except for the fact that this was one that I never questioned once it entered my list leaving it so yeah cobra kai season four at number eight yeah cobra kai was a lot of fun i binged that entire the first season the third season i should say it took me like two days to binge this this last season i binged it all in one day it was amazing speaking of uh you know returns for Speaking of like comebacks for shows specifically from universes that we feel like have been failing us recently, I feel like you know with with Book of Boba Fett consistently like just disappointing us seemingly week after week. I think it's fitting that again the best medium of Star Wars storytelling came to play in 2021. That being Star Wars: The Bad Batch, taking everything that was great about that final season of Clone Wars that we got in 2020 that was just so special and so magical, and just wrapped up everything that I loved about Star Wars as a kid. And they brought and they took the the reject characters that were only there to like have like uh what what are, what are they called those as a backdoor pilot for this one took them gave them their own show and arguably made it like one of the best like action shows war shows comedic shows like they essentially brought back the a-team in animated format and in a strange way made us like really nostalgic and sad for the first bad era of star wars that being the prequels like what is happening like each of these characters are types each of these characters are tropes we've seen in a million times before and they still somehow again filoni and his animating team just do exactly what it is that they did with seven seasons of the clone wars and make them so endearing they make them so lovable they the, all the references to the greater star wars universe are there the show actually has like a lot of stakes like a lot of stakes as they go on like the action in this forget the fact that it's animated they, the action and this is next level as far as what they're able to accomplish on a story t- from a storytelling standpoint. This was that like summer show that I feel like not everybody was talking about week to week because again it's animated and it's always got that bad rap. But me and my friends were each talking about that week to week and how awesome it was, and it re- it really made me remember. I'm like, okay, this is why because. 
And it's been a little bit, a couple of months since Mandalorian season two, so we still have like a little bit of that good taste in our mouth from that sh from that season. But I was still like, yes, this is what makes Star Wars special. This is why Star Wars belongs on TV. This is what makes, this is what brings like kind of that cinematic feeling of Star Wars to TV. And it just makes Book of Boba Fett that we have now even more disappointing because this show is friggin' amazing. Anybody that says that this is like a bad spinoff because it's animated or it's too much like the A team, you guys don't know what you're talking about. I'm just saying that right now. This is this was amazing, and if not for the first seven entries, it would be higher. Star Wars: The Bad Batch. Yeah, great points, great points all around. Great show. I had a lot of fun with that one. And another show I had a lot of fun with was an HBO Max original. Uh, coming in at number seven is Hacks, starring Gene Smart and Hannah Einbender. And uh, I haven't heard of Hannah Einbender before, but she plays Ava, and she's absolutely phenomenal. Obviously, we all know Gene Smart. She's been around TV and film forever. Never really as like a megastar, but certainly an actress who has chops and who can bring it when asked to and I think in this role she really shines I mean their chemistry is so amazing it's so endearing it's such a cool little story it's a great commentary on cancel culture almost so much so that I think it's so smart that the suits at HBO Max who obviously help promulgate cancel culture didn't realize that they were like talking about themselves by green lighting this show I mean for this show to get off the air it just shows how dumb Hollywood really is because they're not like saying it from a left perspective or a right perspective they're they're talking about cancel culture from a neutral standpoint they're talking about the good and the bad and normally they don't like that type of stuff to get out so i was very shocked that that happened it kind of blew my mind to be honest with you and as the show kept going on they kept making more jabs and more jokes there was even a there was even a point where they talk about jeffrey epstein in a way that it's like is Ricky Gervais here at the Golden Globes helping them write this episode? Like, I had to look it up to see, like, I know he's your friend, but I, but I don't care, you know? Like, it's <laughs> like, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't, I could not believe it, but it felt so refreshing outside of the fact that, you know, because of how Hollywood loves to beat their politics down my throat, I, I, I felt I had to talk about that. Normally, I wouldn't. I would just talk about how amazing of a show this is, and, and it is. And you can talk about the narrative, sort of seeing like a failing comedian at this point in her life, trying to revitalize her career. It was an interesting perspective. Again, like it's a story that it, it's been told before, but I like the way they were telling it. It was really cool to sort of see like the rising from the ashes story and the way that they did it with the old generation meets the young generation, especially when you like think about just in culture, how different those two generations truly are. The fact that they were able to find common ground. I don't know. It's kind of like the show we need at this time in, in, in history. It was really cool. And, and of course, just being like excellent and making you laugh the entirety of its, of its run. Even when it was sad, you were like, fuck that's still funny though like i kind of still want to laugh there like I, I know i shouldn't but also you should because they want you to have that like you're laughing right now because as a human sometimes like other people's suffering can be funny and i'm gonna make you realize that you're not perfect so stop thinking you are the, the amount of intelligent conversations that this silly little show raises is far too many for it not to make my list so yeah hacks at number seven yeah, again, not going to be another too much of a shift because my number seven is Hacks. Look, this was a show that I heard a lot of good things about, and then I watched the pilot, and I instantly fell in love. Like, I, I also love, too, again, all the millennial jokes that they made about um, Hannah, uh, or sorry, Ava, rather, in the show. Again, it's another one of those things where the actors' personalities are kind of interchangeable with the characters that they play, but that's not a, that's not a, normally that's a weakness for me, but in this sense, it is not. Um, and, and then she kind of had to consistently remind them, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm too young to be a millennial. I'm, I'm only 26. I'm Gen Z. So, he's like, she's like, their millennials are 40. And that was just kind of a crazy thing where it's like, wow, so we, we have a baby boomer with a Gen Zer here. And that, for me, 
me was like kind of the consistent through line throughout the show as far as what made me love it. Just kind of the differences between those two generations and how they were able to kind of find common ground to make the show to a point where it really, I really felt like I wasn't even watching a comedy at this point. I feel like if anything, that's what I've loved about comedic storytelling across both movies and TV recently is the fact that they're really actually not trying to just aim for the joke and aim for the punchline. They're actually trying to aim for like what the meat of the story is. What are these characters trying to get at, you know, with their kind of crossing over? And normally this is the type of structure, you know, where... Uh, you know, where a young, like, kind of up-and-coming person is teamed up with an older, legendary celebrity. You know, we've we've seen that done rather poorly, I would say, pre in previous instances. And this is one of the is, this is one of the ones that absolutely got that right. That nailed the dynamic. I absolutely love the back and forth between Gene Smart and Hannah Einbinder. The jokes when they hit were really funny, but the jokes it almost felt like were like a gateway to like the characters' own inner psyche and damages. You know, kind of how they were able to how they were able to bond over their respective traumas. You know, the one who is worried that she got canceled before she even had a shot to really make it. The other one who feels like she's had this entire legacy and what is it amounting to? Um, you know, th there were some really funny bits, but that to me is what kind of made the show really, really special. Ended in probably one of my favorite finales of the year when she's kind of comforting her at her dad's funeral and how they kind of made that come out of nowhere and also how they were able to pull the show off just given the COVID restrictions. Like there are certain actors like the, um, the gay butler, um, Carl Clemens Hopkins, how the, he literally didn't even meet Gene Smart until their first day of shooting. And the fact that they had like that much chemistry and synergy across that, just given the measures of the COVID shoot. And the fact that this was conceived by the three creators, the one who plays, uh, you know, her dumb agent, that, those were the parts with the dumb agent and his assistant. Those were the storylines that didn't necessarily work super well for me. But how they, how they managed to, uh, how the, oh my God, how the creators of the show came up with this while they were just on a road trip. And that's kind of how they conceived this idea. I love it. It's it's. I would say that again. There are a couple more entries on this list, but I would say as far as starting seasons for shows, I would say live action wise, this is probably my favorite debut of the year. So yeah, my number seven hacks. Yeah, well said. Uh, so this next show, uh, somehow Netflix always manages to win the year. You know, in 2020 it was Tiger King. In 2021, it was Squid Game. Yep. And this show wasn't going to make my list, but then I thought about the cultural impact. And then I thought about how I kept thinking about it, you know, like I, I even remember watching like that Mr. Beast creates Squid Game in real life video and like, like being like so excited that that came yeah, out. Netflix and always has that dumb trend per year with all the way back with the bird, the stupid bird box trend from 2018. Right. They always somehow win the year. Whether or not it holds up, time will tell. But apparently they're greenlighting a Squid Game universe. And I got to say, like, I'm kind of all for it. Like. I did go back and rewatch like the pilot and the second episode just to like try and justify. All right, can this make my list? And the filmmaking's there. I mean, it's a refreshing perspective. It's it's South Korean cinema, something you don't get to see that much of, <laughs> really, because we don't really prop it up the way that we claim we would like to. But it was it's really good. And uh, I mean, the performances, the acting, the show does fire on all cylinders. And I remember watching this thing for the first time, being like. I got to take a break right now because either I'm over caffeinated or this show's really getting to me because like I'm on the edge of my seat and my heart's racing really fast, but I couldn't stop. Like I just kept going. Like I think this was my quickest binge of a show throughout the course of the year. I think I watched this show across three nights, like in the middle of like the semester, just like having to get it done because not only did I want to join the conversation, but because it was like a conversation for once that I wanted to join, like, cause it was actually somewhat no you know what it actually was great filmmaking like it wasn't just some stupid tiger king documentary or some like you know we're just gonna like try and shock the zeitgeist for a quick moment with a bird box it was there was a lot there a lot there to like latch on to a really cool concept like especially like with the way that they talk about economics and, and how we view money and how much it matters to us and how much it 
it will put us through and what it will get us to go through. It asks like a lot of actual serious questions. Now, my only fear is I hope that as time goes on, since they are making a whole universe, I hope it doesn't dilute this first season because it was really good. I think it, it's meant to be a mini series, a standalone, but what do I know? All I know is that it's my number six, pleasantly surprised in Netflix. Somehow you break the internet every year. How? I don't know. I, I'm convinced that it's, they just have the Alexander Skarsgård code from Succession that uh, was introduced this past season. I'm convinced that that's what it is because my number six is also Squid Game. What is that, like three entries that we've had in common now? <laughs> I swear to hell? God. I swear that, to God. This is weird. Awesome. This just shows how in sync our brains are. That's weird. Look, this show was one that, and I've said that there's always that show every year that, again, has the hype factor into it. And, and I, I every year I've... I've ignored it. I'm like, look, I'm not buying into a show just because of its hype factor. I've been burned so many different times by so many different movies that do not hold up with it. And I finally checked it out with my friends. And I'm, I think it was the Marbles episode. Episode six was the first one because my friends were, it was like in the midst of like the craze. And I, and I started watching it and I was like, what is this show? This is interesting. I've said it before. I'm not an anime guy. I, I watch a lot of Studio Ghibli. I like, an, I like, you know, other types of animation. I am not an anime guy traditionally, even though all my friends are really super heavily into that. And this show does pull elements from that but I think kind of like how it like pulls like kind of that old school like battle royale-esque feeling that like we were kind of that that was like starting to break through in the early 2000s with like old boy and stuff before that went away for a bit and now ever since Parasite kind of respawned this kind of like love for South Korean cinema I think it was the perfect time for this to come out and it fits too because I mean the story behind this again it's this creator what like had conceived of this entire thing himself in 2009 and Ten years later, Netflix picks it up for more of its international programming, and this dude wrote and directed this entire thing by himself. Like that, like that just that's just giving me a headache just in general, thinking about like managing that entire thing and having just such this quit this clear cut vision from start to finish. It's it's what we've been talking about since minute one that movies just seem to have forgotten about. It has the story. You know, forget the politics of it all. It's just a really, really interesting and compelling story that gets you into the minds of each and every one of its different characters from and and what each of their motivations are. I think one of my one of the best episodes for me is the second episode when they all leave the game after the first one they go back to their lives and then they realize oh man even though we just witnessed all these people die we could lose our lives the the risk is worth it because what do we have outside here you know i think just like the socio i feel like more so than the economic standpoint just the socio i, I think the sociological standpoint i think that's the aspect that people oh that people never talk about when it comes to these types of struggles as far as like it's much more so than just having the money it's it's what you do and, and kind of the the the, the type of class and then the type of person that it makes you when you have the money and I think that also stands when they bring in you know kind of like you know the rich elite in order to like view the one game near the end I think that speaks you know waves as well I, I was really really impressed by what the show was able to accomplish it's not my favorite show of the year but it was still really it, it, it just again for it having the wave and the moment that it did like this is a South Korean show that people in the Midwest were watching that is insane when you think about it so that's my number six squid game yeah man Damn, that was well said. And uh, hats off to them. <laughs> that was a crazy yeah. moment in culture. Before we yeah. start the back half of this list, guys, we would love to ask you one last time to hit the subscribe button, hit the like button on this video, and turn our, turn that little bell on after you subscribe and hit the like button so y you can miss when we, or so you never miss when we, you know, talk about shows you probably never heard of because, again, your favorite film critics aren't paid or they're too scared to talk about something off the beaten path or when we offer new perspectives to shows like Squid Games that you probably haven't heard of. Because I, I don't know anyone who talked about Squid Game like we did. I'm not tooting our own horn. I'm just saying, like, think people, think. And, and speaking of thinking, this show, this next show, number five, 
is a show that makes me think back to why I love Star Wars so much. Bad Batch comes in at number five because if there's one thing that Star Wars is doing right, it's just letting Filoni do whatever the hell he wants when he goes into like whatever computer-generated program that they're using to cook these amazing-looking characters up. And I'm telling you, man, animation, that's the future of Star Wars. I'm telling you. Look, I'll take what I can get at this point. Of course, I'd love it to be live-action, but thank God we have some good Star Wars. I disagree with what you said in regards to hearkening back to the first worst era of Star Wars. The prequels I know, I know. are incredible movies, but... At the end of the day, one thing that we both agree on is people are nostalgic for those movies now, and I think it's the success of the Filoni-verse. And, and I remember when these characters were introduced in the final season of The Clone Wars last year, and we were thinking to ourselves, this is the people they're making the show for? How? Like, they were just such a small part of the arc. But it just shows Flo- Filoni just is such a master of storytelling that he can take the most insignificant characters and i'm not calling the bad batch insignificant but i'm just saying he has the ability to take the most insignificant characters create a 16 season episode a 16 episode season about these characters and make almost every episode compelling and fulfilling and that's incredible to do he has such a grasp on the star wars universe he is the one doing george lucas the biggest respect every time he steps into the creative helm it's awesome to see i mean Look, whether or not we like it, we're going to get more Star Wars. It is owned by Disney now. Brace yourself for impact, guys. There will be an onslaught of Star Wars to come. So hopefully it can all be as good as this because this show was phenomenal. It's a kid's show, yet I was we were having conversations on our weekly recap that were far above what you could talk about for any other kid's show. And I think that alone speaks to why Bad Batch is my number five. I cannot wait for more. And just brace yourself because in addition to Bad Bad Season 2, we're getting Obi-Wan Kenobi, Andor, and Mandalorian Season 3. Woo-woo. Oh, so exciting right there. Uh, My number five is the show that ultimately proved that, okay, thank God there is going to be TV outside of WandaVision. Because when with WandaVision just dominating the first two months and then it transitioning right into Falcon and Winter Soldier, I was worried, to say the least, about TV. And then this show came out. It was a sequel to a show that we cover. We actually covered this, the first season of the show. Uh, it was, I think I like our fifth or sixth podcast of the year. And it instantly blew me away as far as what it accomplished. And it really showed me, oh, so this is what Apple TV is capable of. And that's for all mankind. Season two. Again, it's another one of those sophomore seasons that takes everything that the first season did and just elevates it to new heights. Like, the acting was, I think, better all around. I think the characters were more fleshed out. You know, again, they, they, they weren't quite types in the first season, but the first season was really, like, establishing, like, the different world and the new mythos that we were in, this kind of alternative reality where Russia beats us to the moon. And this season, we really saw more of the ripple effects as we as we had jumped forward in time about a decade. We saw characters in new spots in their lives. I, it's very difficult when a show can pull that off. I usually am against when shows do that, and this show did that amazingly well. I thought the budget was somehow upped. I was, I, I, again, I love the characters. Again, how they pulled off that ending by killing off two of the biggest characters with Gordo and Tracy, finally like kind of getting them back together and then having them save the day. How they were able to like, you know, really get into like, you know, U.S. and Russian relations and everything. I, again, it, it was it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. I really don't know what else I can say about this show that really kind of does it justice because again, people just need to watch this show. It is so effing good. It really is one of the best shows ever. This show is so good that Chris Ryan of The Watch even had it on his top 10 of the year and I ju- and I almost jumped for joy in my car I was so happy this really is one of the best shows on the air right now it is doing what most sci-fi storytelling is not doing and it just shows when it comes to unlimited resources because again they make a billion dollars in one day just based off their AirPod sales if this is what we get because of it do more Apple that's all I gotta say do more less morning show more of this kind of stuff because this th- this was incredible this season 
I, I keep hearing Ricky Gervais in the back of my head throughout the course of this episode. <laughs> oh, man. I, I won't dare quote it, but I just keep hearing that Golden Globe speech. But yeah, I mean... Uh, it's the best. It's the best. Yep. Two years later, we're still thinking about it. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, and that really should be like the ultimate top 10 of all the performances. But yeah, that was on TV, in my opinion. But another great show, man. Look, I love that we have some shows at the same spots. Because we are very in sync that way. I didn't know your list going really into are. this. We really are. This is crazy. But uh, this show... Well, is because you, you know what always happened is we would always try... I would always try to guess your entries, and then I would be so off about all of them. So I finally just stopped, and now we have them on here, and now it's like it's all in the same spot. I'm not... I haven't looked at yours, though. I'm just going in cold. I'm just... I'm surprised every time you click yours on after me. It's fun for me that way. But uh, what I will say is, at number four is a show you also had, but I, I put it a little higher. And here's why. Invincible. Interesting. Uh, Robert Kirkman's Invincible. I'm a, a huge fan of Robert Kirkman, and I'm not really that big of a Walking Dead fan. I love his run of Outlast. I think it's phenomenal. I actually have read a little bit of Invincible now after watching the show. Really good. It, it definitely, they did an amazing job adapting this show. It's very true. Very true to what was on the page. But it's, uh, the choices they made, I will say, if you go back and read them, I think benefit the uh, the screen and I love when a show can do that you know I love when a, sh a show or, or or like a TV or a, sorry a movie can can understand what needs to make it and what doesn't need to make it you know reading the comic and then watching the show is really what kind of helped me bump this up a few spots it was always on the list this was another one that was always on the list a little lower the art of adaptation I think is an art form that gets kind of like shafted in the sense that people think oh, it can't be that hard. You're just taking something that was already written and trained. Mm, there's a lot more to it. There's a lot more to it. And I think when something as successful as this, because I think this kind of broke the internet and then Squid Game came along and said, oh, you're going to forget about everything else. It's uh, the Squid Game basically went and said, these are not the droids you're looking for, right? Speaking <laughs> about Obi-Wan, like they just completely wiped everything that was successful from our memory. But Dude, this show had like a run of like six weeks where it was like the end all be all. And that's probably because they released it week to week. I didn't watch it week to week. I watched it all at once at the end, which was an amazing binge because I couldn't believe it at first. Like everyone kept talking to me. How have you not watched this yet? How have you not watched this yet? And I'm like, I don't know. Like American animation isn't my thing. I find the style very off putting. I hate the way Family Guy looks. I hate the way American Dad looks. I hate the way all those shows look. And this show kind of looks like that. But the writing is so infectious that it doesn't matter. You know, I, I'm not a fan of the visualized style of Rick and Morty, but that's another show where it's like the writing is so good that the few times I do have to watch it when I'm out of friends and they want to put it on, it's fine. It could be worse. We could be watching something way worse. And this is another one of those shows where it's like, don't let looks deceive you because there is so much here. There is so much like the storytelling is phenomenal. The journeys. I, look just go and watch it i don't want to like spoil anything but like the what our character has to go through our lead character has to go through at the end involving his two parents people that he loves and seeing what happens to them is so heartbreaking and so sad i mean it's like such a high brow journey that kirkman and his team takes us on on top of it being probably the most gory and gruesome superhero property ever but so warranted like nothing ever felt it like it was gore for the sake of gore it didn't feel like a Rob Zombie film, right? It felt like earned. It felt really good. And it's just so many triumphs in this one little silly animated show that I think really speak to the larger superhero genre as a whole. This year reminded me, really, this the thing I'm taking away from this year the most, Tom, 
I do like superhero storytelling. I just don't really like where it's going. But we've had so many little pockets of remembering, yeah, you did read comics. You do like this medium. It just, it's it's being so Marvel-washed, as I call it, that like it's hard to see what else it can offer. Shows like this, you know, shows, well, you know, I don't want to spoil anything, but like movies like uh no way home even though that is marvel but like being so strong and so rooted in like raimi's amazing superhero trilogy of spider-man that helped kind of like bring the superhero movies to our forefront like snyder cut like this year reminded me like yeah this medium could be badass and invincible's right up there with those titans that i think are like finally helping to raise the question of should we just blindly consume everything marvel because i think it's a conversation we need to have so yeah this show I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, 100%. Really glad you enjoyed it. And uh, one thing I will say is I'm, I'm putting my foot down now. I don't care who needs to hear this. Stop associating. And Chris, like I said, this is not directed at you, but stop associating animation with silly. Like, silly stories are some of the best stories. And animation is just, as this year proved, animation is some of the best stories, just in general. So, people, let's take the mantra off. Let's first say that animation is not a genre. It is a medium. Let's take off the mantra that it is for kids because we've got a couple entries coming up. I feel like all the entries that we animated entries of uh, this year have proved that, like, again, animation is just so far surpassed the just for kids mantra that Disney kind of stuck on it for so many years. You know, I think we're finally getting past that. So, speaking of which, my last Apple TV entry on this list, again, Apple TV had three entries on both of our lists this year that is wild to say the least and none of them were the morning none of them were the morning show which i will get to in a little bit my number four is the little show that could uh, the first season rocked the world during the pandemic i was not the biggest fan of it and then this season completely won me over i am officially on the ted lasso bandwagon right now this show is really really something special Th this show again it, it, it's again it's another one of those things where it disguise it, it tricks you into thinking that it's a comedy and then you watch it and you're like th besides being like one of the most heartwarming and adorable shows ever the fact that it like actually disguise itself first as a sports drama and then mostly as a character drama like I, 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 again I'm gonna do a little bit of a plug here for Serialize the new app that is basically the letterbox for TV again I'm gonna talk about this literally every single episode because this is again not sponsored but again because it is just that good I, I wrote in my review for Ted Lasso the best kind of feel-good TV major props to Bill Lawrence for taking the goofy off-kilter nature of scrubs and bringing it into a much more genuine feeling and surprisingly deep character drama that disguises itself as a comedy slash sports drama i was off put by how deep the show goes in the first season but each character is so well fleshed out they earn their moments it's one of the first comedic shows where the humorous and goofy moments actually feel earned and the second season doubled down on that by really diving deep into these characters psyches and for this show to like again take everything that was because the, the, the show ultimately was a feel-good show with its first season and for this show to actually take its characters and take them into like more deeper darker more insecure places you know doubling down on you know on ted breaking down like kind of ted's like consistently like happy and positive mantra you know, diving into Roy and how he was feeling as like kind of more of a legacy figure coming back to the team. We even had some some incredible solo episodes that were additional mandated episodes because of how popular the show was. Even bringing back Jamie and how they were able to redeem him. Nate's villain arc that really not a lot of people saw coming. Again, they, they just doubled down on each and every single one of these characters. They they remind us of what we loved about them, and then they introduced new elements to them. And it, again, it, it was a it was a sophomore season. Again, like for all mankind, it was a sophomore season that I did not see coming with how good it was. To, I watched it week to week as opposed to binge it all at once and it really really had that impact on me like I, I was laughing with the show I was crying with the show I was there for the show I was cheering hard for them whenever they got their wins it's the ultimate underdog show it's incredible Ted Lasso I'm fully in love with it great amazing show hell yeah man I love to hear that so guys we're about to start our top three let us know your top 10 or top three 
movies or, or sorry tv shows of 2021 in the comments below one last time subscribe hit that like button and let's get into the top three for me is a show that at least when i look up the ratings i know people are enjoying it it's being rated very highly it's one of those little netflix shows that could or at least tried to and it's just a true creative expression uh, feel good by may martin who's um a canadian comedian who quite literally it's like a biopic honestly um and she's even said it herself right what you know it's just a, an amazing heartwarming love story about overcoming addiction fighting for your dreams not letting societal norms curb you or curtail your passion and at the end of the day it's it's not perfect i don't want to spoil this I, you guys need to go and watch this the journey's not perfect and the show is perfect her journey may martin's character's journey is not perfect but I think that's the beauty of it. And it's just a lot of people try and do this. Let's make something so real, so true to life. But it never comes off as genuine. It never comes off as effective. This is a perfect example of how you do that. This, this, every scene in this movie feels like you're sort of overseeing someone as you sip your coffee in a coffee shop, watching someone's conversation. You almost feel like, should I be watching this right now? Like, this seems personal. I'm snooping. I'm like... I'm prying, you know, like I'm, I shouldn't, I, I need to, I'm a little too, let me move over. Like I need to give these people their privacy, their space. And that's like the beauty of it really. So well acted. These are all actors you'll, you you haven't heard of yet. Um, an amazing cast of, of Brits and Canadian actors who come together to just absolutely crush it. Every performance is phenomenal. Every character gets an arc that pays it off. And, uh, the only, the only character who's really in there that's of namesake is Lisa Kudrow obviously Phoebe from Friends, but they don't they don't just use her to sell the show. I mean, in fact, a lot of people don't know she's in the show. She's just a cast member, and that's all she is. And I think that's the best thing about it, is that her celebrity never gets in the way of her role because it just perfectly allows these young actors who the show's clearly about to thrive. I, I can't wait to see what Mae Martin does next. Netflix greenlit another one of her original series. It seems like she has a home there. She only ever had two seasons, written so we don't have to worry about netflix canceling this one too soon it comes to a conclusion which is another thing you can't really say about a netflix show that you feel the conclusion the finality of it but i mean this show is like a master class in acting it's a master class in mise-en-scene it's a master class in like heartfelt warm storytelling like th this is just an amazing show i'll be talking about this show forever i think it's one of my favorite shows of all time honestly at this point i watched this show five times this year it's quick, wow. first of all. That's crazy. It's quick, That's first. That's crazy. It's become my comfort. Look, once they took The Office off of Netflix, I needed a new comfort food. You know, Netflix is just the most That's accessible streaming fair. service, and this has become that. It never lost it for me. Uh -huh. So, yeah, feel Got good. Go watch it, guys. It's phenomenal. Got it. Chris, before we move into my number three, I just wanted to pull up a comment. Uh, this guy, Myth Reindeer, is like, uh, he's asking, are you John Bender for The Breakfast Club with your gloves? I, th I think he admires your gloves. Yeah. All right. I appreciate that. Myth Reindeer, whoever you are. Myth I, Reindeer. I, uh, I know That's Myth, a great, that's I know, hilarious. I know Myth Reindeer, and, and here's, here's all I'll say, okay? I have to wear the gloves because I go hard in the paint, all right, man? Like, when you work as hard wow. as me, your hands get tired, okay? Yeah, you just you just sit around and watch your Bengals win games, but they're going to lose. Joe Mixon's going <laughs> to roll an ankle, and I cannot wait to see the, the look on your face when all you love. Fantasy football, guys? Uh, He's just a fr he's. He's a friend. No, I'm just kidding. Myth's a good oh, guy. I, I appreciate I him tuning oh, in. Um, you know, I one see. of my guys who antagonizes me, that's Myth. So. 
I figured. Got it. Got it. All right. I figured. I'm like. I'm like. I feel, I'm like. We don't get too many hater comments. I feel like if somebody's in there with the chat, um, you know, they're gonna know you. Yeah. Jumping into my top three. This was tough. Ultimately, again, there were a lot of really, really great shows this year, but I think that I was pretty confident with my choice. My number three is Mayor of Easttown. This is a show that took me a little bit of time to watch. This kind of took over like in the space, like right after Invincible, like right in that like that sweet spot period between like the transition between the spring and the summer. Seven episodes, nice, tight, succinct, and man, this show floored me to the fucking ground when I watched it. This thing was just so emotionally gut-wrenching from start to finish. And the fact that it was like a mystery procedural, but not in like kind of like a like a faux soap, soap opera e way, like Big Little Lies was. This show was down in the dirt. This show was gritty. And for this show to be as sad as it was and ultimately and tragic it was, like every single actor did such a great job of demonstrating just how miserable it must be for all these people and all the different tragedies of like that kind of like come with like living in an area like this in like some backwoods town in Pennsylvania. And they, they just crush it. They got a phenomenal group of actors. The mystery is actually really fucking compelling and really interesting. It doesn't just jerk you around. Like, they actually, like, the, every, every choice that they make within the show actually feels like it was intended. The show, I think, has a really interesting take on people kind of feeling stuck in a position in their lives and kind of just having to deal with it. And it's all anchored by Kate Winslet in... What might possibly be her best performance ever, which is kind of insane considering the fact that she's given us some of the best performances like ever. Again, she was one half of the duo that gave us the one of the first biggest movies of all time with Titanic. And she really just does like, again, I have talked a lot about how a lot of great acting comes from the eyes. And if you just look into her eyes and you just see the amount of pain and torture and torment that this character is carrying with her every single second as she continues to put forward the case, it, it has a little bit of like procedural and cop tropes in there, but they're not there, but they're not destroyed ever like again every single one of the I feel like I'm a broken record here but I feel like it still stands every single character fleshed out every single decision they make feels like it's there to benefit the story and nothing else it has an absolutely impeccable ending that will like if you're a human being and you have feelings this thing will absolutely floor you it is easily I feel like when people are going to talk about like the best in TV from this year and the reason why I go with this one is because it is a live action debut it's a mini series but it could have easily been a movie props to Brad Inglesby and and um and and uh, 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 Craig, uh, I, I can't remember the name of the director who did it, but seven episodes of absolute perfection floored me. My number three, Mayor of Easttown. Yeah, if this was the top eleven, that would be my eleventh <laughs> for sure. It was tough not to be able to include that one. Well said, Dom. With that being said, guys, the top two. This was a hard one for me because both of these shows, I thought, were firing on all cylinders in their second seasons. At the end of the day, number one got number one for a reason, but goddamn, was it tough to to not make this show be number two. This might be, I mean, this is one of wow. my new favorite shows of all time. Wow. Yeah, Ted, Ted Lasso. This is surprising. Season two is number two. Unfortunately, got beat out by number one. Don't worry, Apple TV Plus, you got the title. But uh, Ted Lasso, only number two. Measly number two. Runner up. No, this is one of my favorite shows of all time. From the second I watched this thing, I knew it was special. It is phenomenal. Sudeikis is hilarious, as he normally is. I mean, I grew up on movies like Hall Pass and movies like Horrible Bosses, and I've realized that was before the days where I would be able to recognize actors and directors and things like that. Sudeikis was always my favorite parts of those films. I mean, he is awesome. Comedically, we always knew he was great. What I love about this is his dramatic chops. What I love further about this is how much of a contributor he is to the writing to the production side of things. I mean, he's proving that, hey, yeah, I'm actually a filmmaker. I got into the business on screen, but I can do more than that, and let me prove it. 
The lasso way, in my opinion, is the only way, man, because this show is sweeping the nation. The lasso it's, way. It's becoming a phenomenon. It's an instant hit. I mean, it's... What, what more can I say? Like, the, the dramedy, I think, is the new medium of television that seems to be taking off right now. And, and this show isn't the first to do it, but I think it's certainly perfecting it. Because I think for a long time, and I think the reason why we're in this television renaissance is because of shows like Ted Lasso. While my number one pick is very traditional and while a show like for all mankind is a very traditional style drama and i think we still need those and i think that they still have their place the reason i think that this medium is sort of back to the prestige that it once had and if anything stronger than it ever was is because of like shows like ted lasso shows like feel good that understand that like stories don't necessarily have one emotion sometimes whereas tv traditionally if it's a sitcom they had one emotion the whole time funny 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 that's not really people, though. If you're doing a show with people, people are messy. They're complicated. And so while the show's funny, it's also sad. It's also aggressive at times. It's also action-packed at times. You know, life takes you up and down. And I think shows like this are such a great feel-good. Ted Lasso, you know, hacks, like physical. It's like life's complicated, life's messy. I think that's a reason. People, I think, appreciate that. And I think it's... It's still escapism, though, because at the end of the day, the concept is ridiculous. You know, it's a U- United States-born college divisional two football coach who gets a job to escape a bad marriage to fly overseas <laughs> to coach a professional English football club. Different type of football, and yet you can have such heartfelt and warm moments, such deep, intense conversations. Dude, come on. You know what I mean? Ted yeah. Lasso. Yeah, number I two. do. Again, like I like I said, it, it completely won me over with its second season. I still flash back to the moment at the end of season one when Coach Beard is yelling at Ted, and he gives that really really impassioned speech, and it's really awesome, but it's really earned. And then it ends with with uh, you know his his ex, who's of course sitting in the same pub across the room, being like, "That was the sexiest thing I've ever seen." And he's like, "Take it," and he's like, "Take get your coat," and then he just moves the one chess piece, and he's like, "Checkmate, mate!" Incredible, incredible show, absolutely. Yeah, my number two for me, and the only re- and the reason why this is here, besides me being an animation fiend, is the fact that this show was probably the biggest surprise for me of the year in the sense that a lot of again like I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie I'm not there's no shame in my game dog I work at Domino's it's not the highest paying job nor is it the most glamorous glorious job but there are a couple of my co-workers were recommending me this show because they knew I was super into movies and TV and I'm like that art I'm like it looks good but I I'm like I don't necessarily know if I want to tune in and then I just watched it and the first episode was good and then I kept watching and by the time I was th- the third episode, I'm like, I'm hooked. I'm fucking hooked. My number two is Arcane, League of Legends. I'm not a League of Legends guy. I knew nothing about this lore or anything beforehand going in. This show rocked me from start to finish. I think this was the only show this entire year that I watched more than once. Like the like the entire time. And not just because it was an easy watch per se, because it was animated, because these episodes are 40 minutes each and they are dense. They are detailed. The animation is gorgeous the story it will suck you in it really teleports you into a different world but again like i've said from time like i've said since we started this list the things that sucker me into these things are not the show are not the world the world's hell but it's the characters and what they're able to do with these characters how they're able to like kind of transform them over the course of these nine episodes that they put out are ultimately i would say giving us one of the best villain origin stories that i think we've ever gotten in jinx kind of how they're setting that up again it's it created for me something that i feel like i've been missing since the dark knight which is that really interesting protagonist antagonist struggle that we that that really that the dark knight did so well which i think is still the reason why it is so goddamn compelling i love how they develop each and every 
one of these characters, how they flesh out the world through the mix of magic and science, how they flesh out the class struggle. Like you said, Chris, again, there are there are tropes, there are there are types here, absolutely, but the way that it's done, it's done in such a way that feels so fresh and so new and so original. And that's what we talk about when we say tropes. Tropes should not be a negative term per se. It's just because of how lazy most of the storytelling has been in such recent years with the movies that people actually watch is what makes the tropes you know, not fun to watch and lazy and repetitive and annoying, but this is the type of story and this is the type of show that does them right. I would heavily, heavily recommend this to anybody who's an animation fiend, to anybody who's into like the cult stuff. If you're a League of Legends guy, sure, I guess, but again, like this really, I don't think pulls a whole lot from League of Legends other than just the name, really. Again, Riot Games, they put, they had been hinting at this show for years. They put it out. They fucking nailed every minute of it. Again, and props to Netflix for actually changing up their release strategy once and not dumping this all at once because I think that them releasing this in the batches of three over the course of three weeks really helped to help have this allow the show to have the moment that it did again it's so good that Imagine Dragons like kind of like put out like a new debut single I know it wasn't technically a debut but it just made for one of the best themes intros of the year that I watch with every single time it's my number two if not for my number one being the best show in the air right now it would be my number one Arcane League of Legends it made Watch Mojo's best debut show of the year so hey that should tell you something that's cool that's cool hey man I love Imagine Dragons I do not understand the hate they get it's uh me neither me neither it's the same thing I do with Nickelback I'm like okay so what they're, they're popular, so now they're cool to hate. Okay, whatever. What did both of those bands do? Pioneer Sound? Oh, so you don't yep. like them because they were creative. And, and when I speak of like tropes and stuff, um, I hope you guys don't think that I'm against tropes. I'm writing something right now that is rooted in tropes. I just I, I, They're important. They're unavoidable. I just hate how lazy they have gotten, specifically in the Disneyification of entertainment. And, and if you want to even pinpoint it further, Marvel, I think you guys know that, but I just want to speak to it. There's a reason that Arcane didn't make my list. It's not because of the tropes. It's just because, personally, other things spoke to me more. The tropes were phenomenal. They did a great job on that show. It's It certainly would be an honorable mention of mine. I'd, so, I think Dom hits the nail on the head. I, I lo- You need tropes. They are there for a reason. Yes. And I think that's a good segue into my next my next entry, my number one TV show of all, of, uh, of, of the year. You doing any honorable mentions or no? Yeah, I have a few. I have a few, but I'll, I'll make them quick. Okay. Um, basically, you know, I was talking with Ted Lasso. I think the reason we're in this renaissance of television is because of the uh, the way that we're able to sort of fuse genres now, the, the, the way that TV is progressing the medium forward in a way that I personally don't think we've had before, this like sort of realism this uh the dramedy you know the um the, the the challenging genre the sort of bringing to light the old way of storytelling with the way that tv and film is progressing but this show is pretty traditional my number one show is for all mankind and i think it's important to remember where we came from no pun intended as we you know set out and tread new ground and explore new territory i i think the reason we have the success of shows like Ted Lasso, Feel Good, you know, Hacks, these sort of shows that are really slice of life with a little bit of everything into them is because for so long the medium of TV was propelled forth and carried by these traditional style dramas. And what, what For All Mankind does is I think it shows that those shows still have a place, which is awesome. Because, I mean, I'm not, when I praise the new, the new guard, you know, it's it's not me saying I don't appreciate the old guard at all. I I, I do. I, I really do. You know, <laughs> um, like 
Breaking Bad and and Lost and all those types of shows. Like we we need th- we need those types of shows. We need that traditional style of TV that for so long carried us through some very dark days. TV's had <laughs> some very boring days, you know. We need that stuff. But I so don't think I'm not saying that. And for all mankind is the best reminder of like never forget where you came from. You know, like it's it's so mm, seeped in just everything that like you look back on TV and you wonder like how did this type of TV storytelling fail? You know, because it's still really good. It's still functioning at a high level. I mean, on top of the fact that, like you said, it must be nice to sell AirPods because goddamn does this show look expensive, but in a way that doesn't take away from it. Like it just adds to the immersion. If you're doing a show that's like asking this high of questions, we're literally traversing outer space, competing in a space race. We're going to Mars. Freaking Mars is next. Um, like, you know what I mean? It's like, it needs to look good, but it also needs to feel at the, at its core, the space is the, the dressing, you know, on the salad, the, the, the lettuce is like the drama, the character interactions like that. That's really what we're here for. And a lot of actors who I personally hadn't heard of prior to this show, but like, you said, you know, you have Gordon and Tracy, even Deacon in the first season and his death carries over into season two. And even in his death, his character is still being impactful and creating a resonance because they built such a strong world. And, and skipping 10 years is something I normally hate. I normally hate it. It feels so unwarranted. It feels like really you had no ideas. So you had to just pretty much soft reboot. Nah, not in this show. This show is incredible in everything that it does in the way that it kind of breaks my traditional feelings about how other shows in the past have done certain things time skips and all that also it's introducing a new guard a younger generation but they're having stakes in what's happening in the older generation i mean it's just like this show is kind of like a master class on like scope scale character characterization sort of pacing managing character relationships making sure that everyone's thread is is rightfully so carried into the next time skip because i think the pattern is emerged now um especially considering the nirvana cue at the end of the final season yeah that's another 10 years we're out of the 80s we're into the 90s you gotta watch the show if you love film that's really it and it's it's a reminder of never forget where you came from but also challenge those norms and 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 don't just be comfortable in being a carbon copy of where you came from take what you love from the past the era of tv that has clearly inspired the show and challenge it to do more and i think we're doing that so yeah apple tv pluses for all mankind (laughs) people buy airpods i want a fifth and sixth season Yep. Yeah, for real. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing, again, because you, you talk to the, these creators. I mean, like these guys have clearly shown they have like a five to six season, stre- you know, actually etched out plan for the show, which is something we talk about all the time with TV that usually never comes to pass. And again, it shows because the guy who made this is the same guy who did the 04 Battlestar Galactica, Ronald Lee Moore. So this guy absolutely knows series. what he's doing. Yeah, th- this guy absolutely knows what he's doing with TV. I'm just going to read off a couple of honorable mentions that I have before we get out of here because we're running low on time. Uh, so just a couple of shows that I want to give a shout out again. Disney didn't do all, didn't do us completely dirty in 2021. We still did get Loki from them, and Loki was a lot of fun. Uh, actually, really interesting. Actually, felt like it was the first show that actually felt like it was pushing the MCU forward in a new direction. Reservation Dogs, which is a really cutesy, fun, you know, funny, like kind of really off kilter, almost you could call it like a stoner coming of age movie. But it's got those really interesting and like juicy little character moments that you wouldn't expect about a group of Native American kids living on some offbeaten reservation in Oklahoma who desperately want to get to California and to kind of follow their resident misadventures. We also got the wrap up. 
of the Transformers War for Cybertron trailer that we covered back in 2020 with the third and final installment, Kingdom, where you actually saw the Autobots and the, and the Decepticons meet up with the Maximals and the Predacons. That alone had it as an entry on this list for a long time until I saw some of these other shows. We also have, which I still have not completed yet, Season 2 of The Witcher, which I think is a vast improvement over the first season now that we've got our characters all together, now that we've kind of finished with the setup, we can actually take them into these interesting new directions that the show has talked about. It's still not quite there yet for me, but I can tell it's reaching the point where it's going to become awesome. Then we have the new, like, most talked about, like, must-watch show, and it came from Showtime, of all places, Yellow Jackets, which is essentially trying to fill the void that Lost did. First season ended on a little bit of a problematic note for me, but I still think that it is incredibly watchable, incredible performances all around. I think the mystery and kind of the nature of what the fuck is going on will continue to suck you in more and more and more. Chris, I'm going to be especially interested to see your thoughts on this show if you once you finish the first season and see where that goes. They're basically just trying to conjoin pretty much the entire first three seasons of Lost into one season once you actually see what is it that they're going for. And I don't mean that in a kitschy way. And of course, you wrap it up again. This show was so close to being on there. Again, count it off for me, Chris. Two. Two seasons of this show in one year. Cobra Kai bookended the year, started the year, and ended the year. And arguably the two greatest seasons after after what I thought was going to be like a little bit of a downward spiral after season two. But we got that rumble at the end of season two. And these two Netflix seasons, Netflix is where the show belongs. Because this show just completely understands what it is now. It just ups the ridiculousness to all new levels. It is absolutely insane. But needless to say, I mean, none of those are the best show on TV. None of those are the most watched, most critically acclaimed, most beloved darling show on TV. The show that has finally hit the perfect synergy between drama and comedy, between great characters, great cinematography, incredible performances, knowing just the right amount of improv to give so that it doesn't feel forced. And the show that we were ultimately robbed of in 2020, that was the most anticipated thing going into 2021 that we got back. Only nine episodes instead of ten, and that is, of course, Succession. Oh, my God. I binged the first two seasons of this show while I was in quarantine, while I was in lockdown. And I'm like, yeah, okay, this show absolutely earned all its accolades. Then season two won all those Emmys back in... Uh, fall of 2020, and so I was eagerly, I was foaming at the mouth. I'm like, okay, I'm keeping track of every single update they put out for the show. Where are they filming? When are they filming? What kind of updates? What kind of like hints are the cast dropping out? Dropping out, you know. And that was all going into the into the first episode. Once we finally got the release date, I was eagerly anticipating. I hit up Dustin, Dustin the Duster Mason, who you guys know. We recap all nine episodes of this past season on this network right here because this is both of our like current favorite shows, and we recap every single episode. And then it, it's already enough for the show to be the best show on the air right now, and I'm. I'm not saying that hyperbolically or in anything. This show literally is doing everything that TV should be doing right now. Again, from an acting standpoint, from a craft standpoint, from a comedy standpoint, from a drama standpoint. Again, this show has the, some of the funniest moments on TV and some of the, like the most twisting the knife, like gut wrenching, dramatic moments in here. And this season, I will say, taking up taking up the like the COVID out of it already. But, um, I feel like this is the season that definitely held the characters most lead to their task. This is when we were finally solidified on who these characters are, where they're going, what it is exactly, kind of the new direction that we're gonna have to go. As far as you know, the battling out for the metaphorical throne in the form of the Waystar CEO position. Again, Jeremy Strong continues to top himself every single season. I don't know how that's possible. Kieran Culkin, I would say, gave the best performance of this season. Matthew McFadden gave the best performance. Brian Cox, again, solidified why he is the man on this show, ultimately. They even took Shiv and New in different directions. It, it, again, I already talked about this show for nine weeks in our recap show. It's the best season. It's the best show on the air right now. Again, for it, I think this is also the only third season that I have on this entire thing. I cannot wait to see where this show goes and wraps up in its last two seasons that it has confirmed. This, I would say 
ultimately has the finale of the year and that it just took all of our expectations and directions where it was going and just completely threw it for a loop as far as the rest of that. We actually watched it with a couple of my friends up here, that finale, and all of our jaws were respectively on the ground. Like, here is our mounds. Right there is where our jaws were all the way on the floor for that finale. It is absolute gangbusters. If you're not watching the show, I mean, come on, what are you doing? It's Succession. It's the best show on the air. It's my number one of the year. Awesome. And before we wrap out, guys, I'm just going to hit you with a quick few honorable mentions. I only have five. Number one, Arcane. Great show. Go watch it. We've said enough on it. Mayor of Easttown, a style of show I normally hate, but yet I fell for. Amazing. Kate Winslet, phenomenal. She, she crushed it. Kim's Convenience, a show that unfortunately would have made my number 10 had the sixth season uh, been greenlit. But uh, because of the fact that the creators were given one of the worst situations in all of Hollywood being canceled before they can complete their journey, I loved what they were able to do. And they're not even in Hollywood is the funniest part. Yeah, yeah, true. It just shows that the problems seep out, right? Uh, and uh, mm -hmm. it's just, I love what they, what they did with what they were given, the time they had. It was an amazing last scene, Appa and Oma sort of walking away as the lights turn off on the store for the, the final time, but... It wasn't meant to be the last scene, and, and it felt like the setup to a great sixth season, which we'll never get, but still go watch that show. It is phenomenal. I'm, I'm, I'm still wishing it a sad farewell. And Marvel's Loki. It was fun. It was cool. I enjoyed it. So, yeah. With that being said, guys, that's it. That's our show. I hope you enjoyed our top 10 TV shows of 2021. Always fun, yep. the January slate. Finally wrapping it up always fun yeah I, I look forward to these top 10 lists every single year uh, i'm hoping that next year can be a little bit better on the film front but hey i still think we're gonna have some interesting movies to talk about next week for our final episode podcast episode of january we're wrapping up 2021 before we finally get into 2022 in february with our top 10 best movies of 2021 that's next week make sure you guys tune in for that we had an absolute blast talking about each of these shows reminding ourselves of what it is that we love about this medium about this long-form storytelling medium within television and for more content like that you guys can please you guys can click the subscribe button click the like button click the bell next with that way you guys get notified every time we put up new content you guys are used to this by now i'm, I'm, I'm done sounded like a broken record here <laughs> we've got so much more new content for you guys coming out this week we got another episode of talking thrones on this coming friday we got another episode of book of boba this week and stay tuned because come february we've got we're bringing back the first time watch series and we're going into some very mat some much magical terrain uh, to give you guys chris where could the good people follow you they can follow me anywhere that matters at Christian Ivanko. Ivanko spelled E-V-A-N-K-O. I make music, which you can find on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, YouTube Music, Google Music, and every other streaming service. There's a bunch that also don't say music in their title where my music is available to be listened to, like SoundCloud. Please go check it out. Again, that's Christian Ivanko. Ivanko spelled E-V-A-N-K-O. I'm also on all the social medias our podcast is on. That's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Go follow me there. Join the conversation. Thank you guys again for joining us today. And one last time, I want to ask you guys, please go follow my co-host, Dom. Where can they find you and keep up to date with you? At Movie Nerd Reviews across Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Letterboxd, Serialize, which I talked about at the beginning. I'm going to drop a promo for that on every single possible episode because all you TV watchers out there that have been begging for a Letterboxd for TV, we finally, finally have it. So go out there and check it out if you haven't not sponsored Indeed, follow me across all platforms there. And be sure to follow us on our social media platforms at Official Talking TV Podcast across Facebook and Instagram and Twitter coming soon. And as always, people remember, you know the drill 12 seasons in a short film and watch more fucking movies. We'll see you guys next week for movies. Yeah.